Hi, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! My wife and I have three kids. They're all elementary age school kids, and they're all in public school right here in Miami-Dade. Now, if you've been following the local news or if you're a parent or a student, you know that the last couple of weeks have been crazy when it comes to school. School online has been crazy. So I have three kids in three different rooms, three different parts of my house, on three different computers, school-issued computers. And, and so one of my roles, well, I, tr- I try to help my wife, I try to help out. One of the things that I do before I leave in the morning to go to the office is I try to help be sure that every kid is, is logged on. They have to log on to the portal, and then they have to log on to their class. Now, I just got to tell you, this is one of the most confusing things I've ever done in my life. So here, here's like an example. This is just one of my kids' schedule, okay? And so you're talking Spanish class, you're talking PE and art and all of these different things, and, and there's different platforms and different logins. And I just remember sitting there this week, I'm like logging my daughter online, and I'm looking at her like, which platform? Is it Zoom? Is it Teams? Like, like where am I even going. Now, my point here is not to pick on Miami-Dade school system or Carvalho. They've got enough problems, right? My point is, I hate to be confused. I hate being confused. I mean, do you like being confused? I mean, you ever had a parent or a teacher or a coach or a boss, like, tell you to do something or give you instructions, right? And, and they finish, and you're looking up, they're like, What? I hate being confused. Confusion is no good for anybody. Now, I have found in in my years and years of, of leading and being a pastor in the church, I have found that one of the most confusing things, one of the most confusing topics, one of the most misunderstood topics around the idea of God and church and following Jesus is baptism. Baptism. I mean, what do you think about baptism? Now, I'm going to bet that when I said the word baptism, some kind of picture or image or experience popped into your head. And, and here's the thing about baptism, and this is why this is so interesting and so confusing and even so emotional for many of us, is that your opinion... My opinion, so your opinion or your perspective on baptism is largely shaped by the tradition that you grew up in. And so if you grew up Catholic or Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or whatever, your, your perspective, your opinion around baptism is largely shaped by your tradition or by what you grew up in. Or maybe you grew up in no church tradition at all and you just go, What is baptism? It just seems so weird. And so I want to just take a few minutes today 
And I, I want to just try to make this as simple as possible. Maybe oversimplify things here. And I just want to peel back the layers and look at, at some simple ideas. What is the simple core idea? What is baptism? Why is it important? And why should I have anything to do with it? Now, if you've been tracking along with us, you realize that we've been in this message series that we're calling Find and Follow. And we've simply been looking at a book in the New Testament called Acts. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Gospel, Story of Jesus. Acts is the story of the first church. And in Acts, Dr. Luke, who's a, who's a Greek doctor, writes a first, first uh, he writes an uh, first-hand report from eyewitness accounts, he is recording the story of the first church. And why we've been looking at this is go, hey, when it comes to church and baptism, all these things, so many things get confused or, or they, they get changed or they become something that were never intended. What is the original idea? What's the original idea versus tradition? And so we come today to part eight or chapter eight, and chapter eight brings up this topic, this conversation on baptism. So if you've got a Bible or a device, I want you to look with me in, in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read a few verses here, beginning in verse 26. And Luke is telling us the story of a guy named Philip, who we got introduced to a couple of chapters ago in Acts chapter 6. So if you, if you have your device or your Bible, pick up with me, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Here's how Luke records this. It says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, here's Philip's our main character today. He says, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandike, which is the queen of Ethiopia. So here's Philip. He's, he's dialed into the voice of God. He, he has this God-orchestrated encounter with this Ethiopian, and this guy is a big deal. He's a treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia, which is modern-day Sudan. This man, the Ethiopian, had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way, uh, and he's on his way home. He was sitting in his chair reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And so he's reading Isaiah, again, in the, in the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. He's reading uh, Isaiah, and he's reading aloud. That was the custom of the day that you would read, and when you would read, you would read out loud. Verse 29 says, The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. And so Philip ran up to the chariot. This is kind of a funny scene, at least in my head. It's kind of just, hey, what you're reading? Now right, he runs up to the chariot. And he heard the man, because he's reading out loud, reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand? And I imagine this guy is like, no, have you ever read this? Do you know what I'm like, No, I don't understand. And, and uh, he, in fact, he responds this in 31. He says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up into uh, the chariot and to sit with him. And this is the passage of Scripture that he was reading. Verse 32. He was like a sheep. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before his shears is silent, so he didn't open up his mouth. In his humiliation, he was, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
And this is actually a section from Isaiah 53. And it's a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, that the Messiah is coming. And this is actually written about 700 years before Jesus. So again, it's a prophecy. It's predicting that the Messiah will come. And so he's sitting in the chariot. He's reading this. And and then verse 34, Luke tells us that, that the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Who's Isaiah talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Verse 35, then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, this is interesting, okay? Now, again, this is where you've got to kind of put yourself in the first century a little bit to understand the context. Again, Dr. Luke is writing this. He's a, he's a, he's a doctor. He's a Greek doctor. And, and Luke says that he did a thorough examination of the story of Jesus that he actually interviewed, just like a, an investigative journalist, he interviewed eyewitnesses, and he took their accounts and he put them into writing. And so these are, these are men and women who had been with Jesus, and part of that story is Philip. And so here's Philip, and at this point, when he's sitting in this chair and he's, and he's talking to this guy from Ethiopia about what, what, what Luke calls the good news about Jesus, he, he's not talking about like, well, you know, I heard this story or there's some folklore or, or once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. No, he's going like, no, no, no. He's like, no, just a, just a few months ago, actually not far from here, just, just a few miles up the street, just kind of around the corner, just, just, just a short time from now ago, there was a guy named Jesus. And this Jesus came and he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. But they killed him. And they put him on a cross. But here's where it gets crazy. Three days later, he rose from the dead. We saw him die. We saw him put him in a tomb. And then three days later, we saw him. I saw him. My friends saw him. Hundreds of people saw him alive. They talked to him. They interacted with him. They ate breakfast with him. They ate lunch with him. See, the resurrection of Jesus was really real to Philip. It wasn't some folklore or fairy tale or something. It was real. And so here's Philip sitting in this chariot, sharing the good news of Jesus. And he's like, man, Jesus is who he says he is. I know it. I believe it. I saw it with my own eyes. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And he's looking at this guy and goes, here's the good news. Here's what you got to get. Here's what you've got to understand. Here's what Isaiah was writing about 700 years ago. Jesus came to make a way for you, to make a way for you to be in a right relationship with God. Jesus came to, to pave a way so that you, a smart, intelligent, respected, important person from Ethiopia can be in a relationship with God. He's alive, and he made a way for you. And this is the good news. When we talk about the gospel or, or the good news of Jesus, the, the good news is that Jesus came and that he died for you, and he died for me. And they put him in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. Three days later, he came back to life. And that's good news because you, Today, this very day, can be in a right 
relationship with God because of what Jesus did for you. Jesus made a way for you. I love how we say it around here is that, that a right relationship with Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. And, and, and what Philip was talking to this guy from Ethiopia about is, is the same thing that's available to you and to me today. Verse 36, Luke continues, it says that, that he, he shares all of this with him and it says that as they traveled along the road, they, they came to some water. And, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Okay, here it is. Here's our, here's our word. Here's our topic. Verse 38, he gave orders to start, stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Philip baptized him. Bapt- here it is. Baptism. What I believe to be one of the most confusing things around church or the idea of following God, baptism. And so what is this? They get out of the chariot, they go down in the water, and, and, and Luke tells us that he was baptized. What is that? And so my goal here in the next couple of minutes is just to try to, to make this as simple and as clear as I know how to do in this moment. And so what, what is baptism? Here's a simple definition. Baptism is an outward physical step paired with the internal step of saying yes to Jesus. It's an outward physical step paired with the internal step of saying yes to Jesus. Look at, look at the model. Philip shares with him the good news of Jesus. Jesus died for you. He rose for you. You can be in a right relationship to God. And man, this, this step to, to declaring that and committing to that is being baptized. And so they get in the water and he's baptized. I mean, if you think about it, baptism is this great picture. It's a, it's a visual. It's, a, it's an outward physical expression of what is happening inside of you at your core, at your soul level. I mean, but look at this picture. Like when you're baptized, you're lowered into the water. Right? This is called immersion, right? the actual Greek word. Uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The, the baptizo, the, the, the original word means to, to, to dip or to plunge, to immerse. And so when you are lowered or immersed, you are covered completely and then you're raised up out of the water. I mean, here's the, here's the picture, right? You can see Philip taking the, the Ethiopian, right, and, and taking him under the water and pulling him out, right? Here's the picture, right? This is the, the imagery that's so important. The, the beautiful images of, of, J- of Jesus' death. You were lowered into the water, okay? There's, there's the picture of death. And then his burial, you are, you are completely covered. You are completely immersed under the water in burial. And then the resurrection, right, raised up out of the water. See, baptism is this beautiful picture of new life. See, see when, when you and I, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, when we make Jesus the leader of our lives, it doesn't mean we're perfect and we have all, everything figured out, but it means that we declare and we commit our lives to follow him. And here's the first step, right? The picture, right? Is, is, it, is you're finding new life. Is, is, you're, is you're, you're leaving your old self. You're leaving. You're, you're dying to your old self, right? You're, you're identifying with Jesus. You're being buried underneath the water and then raised up, right, out of the water to new life in Jesus. And so baptism 
is an outward physical step paired with the internal step of saying yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, the first step, as we see right here in Acts chapter 8, is to be baptized. That's one at Miami Church that this is huge. We, we always say baptism, baptism celebration. It, it's, the, it's the Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's the biggest celebration that we have. We celebrate baptism around here like nothing else. Why? Because when someone says yes to Jesus and makes him the leader of life and follows them in baptism, it is the Super Bowl. It's a party. And so for us, baptism is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Baptism is an integral part of your relationship with Jesus. If you have not followed Jesus in baptism, man, this is the first step. We talk about this all the time. It is so important. Now, at this point in the conversation, one of the most frequent questions that I get and probably one of the most sensitive questions that I get is, is, well, why should I be baptized? I, I was baptized as a baby. And, and that's a, it's a really good question. And, and I always try to answer this question with as much grace and sensitivity um, as possible. But again, part of what we're doing here in Find and Follow is we're, we're literally just looking at the first church. And, and we're looking at and going, like, what was the original idea? What did Jesus teach? What did the first church do? And so if you look at the idea of baptism, and especially in, in light of infant baptism, you will see that, that, first of all, belief is a prerequisite in the Bible for baptism. We don't ever see anyone being baptized that didn't first believe or first put their faith in Jesus. And so being old enough to make your own decision to say yes to Jesus, to accept or reject Jesus, belief is a prerequisite. The second thing that we see is it pertains to this topic is that infant baptism is not found anywhere uh, in the teachings of Jesus, anywhere in the teachings of the early church. In fact, it was a practice that came along centuries later. So it became a tradition in some branches of the church, but it didn't come along for centuries. So we don't see it here in, in when we study the first church. Now, I want to be sensitive here because I know many of you were baptized as an infant. I know many of you maybe have baptized your child or your grandchild as an infant. And so I don't want to in any way demean or put down anyone for baptizing a baby because it's been used with honorable intentions by parents and, and grandparents to sort of dedicate a baby or to make a promise to raise or point their child toward Jesus through their life. In fact, I believe that, that if you were baptized as an infant by your parents... That, that baptism after belief or, or baptism after you're older, when you, when you can say yes to Jesus, actually affirms or answers the prayer of your parents and grandparents. And so that's why here at Miami Church, that's why our core belief is that we baptize, we baptize those who are old enough to believe. We do it by immersion because we think the word baptism in the Greek means to immerse. And, and, and we believe this aligns with the teachings of Jesus and the first church. And so what is baptism? Baptism is an outward, physical step paired with the internal step of saying yes to Jesus. Now, why is this important? I mean, why, why, why should I 
participate? Or why in the world would God require someone to be baptized? I mean, look at this picture. Why? Now, if you just kind of get practical for a minute, I know that some of you are thinking this because I, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. Why did God come up with this? How in the world do you even come up with this idea of someone goes down in the water and then you take someone takes them and they put them underneath the water and sometimes the water is cold and you mess up your hair, which I don't have that problem, and then you come out like we do, we baptize in the ocean, and you come out and you got seaweed on your ear. Like, why in the world would God come up with a, with a system, a practice like that? Well, that doesn't even make practical common sense. Like, God didn't make it easy, did it? You got, you got to stand in front of people, you got to go into the water, you got to get wet, you got to mess up your hair, and it can be awkward. Why? Because I've wrestled with that question over the years and had that conversation with so many people. I always come back to this that, that baptism is really this declaration, this commitment. It's standing in front of people, right? community, family, and friends who, who love you. and It's standing from them and saying, hey, I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm committing. I'm, I'm declaring. Jesus is all in with me. And so this is me saying in return, hey, you loved me. I, I'm going to love you back. You're all in with me. This is me saying I'm all in with you. You're committed to me. I am saying I'm declaring publicly that I am committed to you. See, saying yes to Jesus and following him in, in water baptism, I mean, think about it. What does it take? It takes some humility. It, it takes a declaration, a commitment. You have to surrender. You have to put faith and trust. You, it's, it's action. You have to get wet. You have to demonstrate in front of other people. It's really saying, hey, are you really in? I mean, I'm all in with you, God says. Are you in with me? I'm, I'm committed to you. Are you committed to me? I'm in love with you. Are you in love with me? I remember uh, when I was an elementary age kid, I really started to understand for the first time how much God loved me and that it was about me. It wasn't about my parents or my church or my friends, that, that God loved me and that God was pursuing me and that God wanted to be in a relationship with me. And in, in my elementary age mind or on words. It's like, God, I, want, I just want to follow you. I want, I, want, I want to say yes to you. I want you to be the leader of my life. And the way they did it at the little church that I grew up in is, is younger kids, before you'd be baptized, they, they would take you and you'd go through this class. They wanted to be sure you, you understood. And there were some good parts of this and some bad parts of this, but you, you went through the class. And, and, and all of these years later, I still remember this class. And I, I just remember this one moment. And the guy teaching the class, his name was Ray, uh, great guy, still remember him. And I remember Ray, uh, was on the, we were on the second floor of this room in the church building, similar to here. I'm on the second floor overlooking US-1. And, and we're on the second floor, and, and Ray, Ray said, hey, I want, I want you to imagine that, that you, you, we were able to open the window there and that I went down on the ground, right, and you're on the second floor window, and I opened my arms like this, and I said, jump. Greg, jump. What would you do? <laughs> stay, in, stay, stay in the second floor window, right? Then he said, I want you to imagine that your dad, my dad, who I have an amazing relationship with, who's, who's always been uh, a great dad, 
Imagine your dad was down there and he said, Greg, jump. What would you do? Oh, I would jump. Why? What's the difference? It's trust, right? It's, it's faith. And, and I believe if Philip were here today, and I believe what Philip was trying to communicate to the, to the Ethiopian in the, in the chariot is, listen, I saw him. I saw him die. I saw him come back to life. He is who he says he is. He is, he is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, and he is trustworthy. And he came to make a way for you to be in a relationship with him. And something struck the, the heart of, of that Ethiopian. He was seeking. He was exploring. He wanted to know the truth. He was, he was looking for it. And God had been pursuing him. And in that moment, he said, yes, Jesus, I want, I want to make you the leader of my life. I want to follow you. Doesn't mean your life is perfect. Doesn't mean you figure everything out. But like, I want to follow you. And then the very first step was to be baptized. How many of you right now, maybe you're in a similar place that the Ethiopian was. That you're, you're looking, you're exploring, you're asking questions, circling around, you're looking. But you're at a point now where you're like, it's time. Yes, yes. I, I, I want to say yes. I want to make Jesus the leader of my life. And now it's time for you to be baptized. It's time for you to step up. We would love to throw a party for you. Can you let us know? If you go to, to hello at miamichurch.com, you can just send us a simple message. I mean, it could be, you don't even have to really write a message in the subject line. Just like, I want to be baptized or I want to follow Jesus and be baptized. And we would, we, nothing, would, would, nothing would, would make us happier than to, to walk alongside of you and help you know what it means to, to follow Jesus, to follow him in baptism, and, and to, to begin life in Christ. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at mymichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.